morning, Nick. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks, Martin. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, not bad at all. Been a while. It's been 18 months since it, we last spoke. It has <laughs> been a while. Yeah, it's been quite a while. Well, although yeah, we have, we've, we've caught up off the podcast, so yes, quite a bit. So yeah, we have just not on the podcast. Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking about opening it up with "We're back" or something, <laughs> something along those lines, but that would be a bit creepy. <laughs> Do you know um, something weird? I literally just looked this up before we started. The stats for the show and the downloads have actually are actually better than they ever were when we were recording regularly. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's whether bizarre. this is whether this is simple cast, you know, I don't know whether they're overestimating their stats or something. But yeah, it's getting more monthly downloads and weekly downloads and so on than it did when we were recording regularly. And I guess that shows, you know, the popularity of podcasts is increasing, I guess. Yeah, it is, yeah. That's amazing. That it's funny, isn't it? It's a good time to get back on the wagon then. There you go. If we'd have checked that out a while ago, we'd have probably started again soon. I bet we would, yeah. <laughs> a bit more motivation. That's if anybody's gonna listen to this anyway. I don't know. I'm still I'm still subscribed to podcasts in um, Overcast that ended a while ago, like Bootstrap Kids, just in case they start yes. doing new episodes. So I'm hoping that people have remained loyal to Britstrap and yeah. uh, and still have a, a subscribed in Overcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same actually, especially with that one because that was one of my favourites. Just in case they, they did do a one-off episode, didn't they, a while ago? Mm. That was funny. Yeah, that's good. So, how have things been going then in the past eighteen months? Well, um, I guess I was going to say. The whole idea of doing Britstrap was to kind of keep up with our journey, wasn't it? From it was. uh, going to zero to hopefully having some income and profit. And I know on a lot of kind of startup presentations that people do, they have that slide where it goes idea, question mark, profit. Yeah. And people always forget or miss out the middle bit, which is yeah. actually where all the hard work is. And unfortunately, because of our various situations... We're missing out the middle bit. We're missing out that middle <laughs> bit as well, aren't we? So there's a big question mark over yeah. the last 18 months as to what's happened. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully we'll be able to fill some of that in yeah. over the course of this this show and the next show. So, yeah, I'm going to leave my updates for today. We've decided we're going to split this big update into two shows. Mm-hmm. And so we'll focus on you today, if that's yep. okay. Absolutely. And uh, and then we'll cover my stuff next week. Um, Sounds but, good to me. But I guess as a general comment, it's going to be a positive updates update shows, aren't they? So yeah, yeah. General news is it's all going positively, I guess. So, so yeah, I'll get going then. Should I? I think last time I listened to the last podcast, and it was funny listening back to it because I was saying not a lot's changed in terms of the day to day sort of feelings and stresses and strains, but um, quite a lot has changed in terms of the product. So last time. I think I had nine customers last time mm-hmm. with, a, with a few more sort of in the pipeline. Uh, so that was 18 months ago and growth has been slow. Um, there's still a lot of the same issues that I had back then in terms of there's too many things that I'm doing for customers. Onboarding is still a manual process. Um, but we've gone from nine customers 18 months ago to 65-ish now. I say ish because there's always a number coming on board. So it's around between 65 and 70 at the moment. And um yeah, so that's I'm pleased with that, but also a little bit disappointed that it's not gone much quicker. It's been fairly painful in terms of onboarding and sales process. So I've, the sales process that I have is pretty much the same as it was back then, which is, you know, get the leads somehow. And then once the leads come in, they generally book a demo, go through the demo. And then the demos are pretty successful in terms of converting at least 50% go from demo to product, uh, to, you know, to purchasing. Mm-hmm. So it may take a while though. I've still got this problem. Well, I call it a problem. Problem for me, where quite often they'll take a long time to make a decision or a long time to actually 
get the information together to get set up. So it's quite a lot of um, work before they even become a customer. But once, uh, what's what's the churn rate like? Because once they, there's obviously work to become a customer. Does that keep them tied into the system still? Then is that does that make it harder for them to leave? Yeah. So I've had three customers leave in the last. Well, it's been it's been around now for three years. First customer came on board about three years ago. So in in that time, I've had three customers leave. One of them. Was basically, they were basically a nursery that was the first one that left and they were using the system because the way they ran their business was slightly different to a normal nursery and it was slightly closer to like an after-school club. So they used the system for a while but then they grew to a point where they needed something nursery specific. So they left, you know, in a nice way if you can ever have a nice way of them leaving. And then um, another one was a bit disappointing because they basically were a perfect fit for the product. They were an after-school club but they... Um, they couldn't get their head around the new technological aspects of it. So they had a problem with lots of their customers not really wanting to do bookings online and things like that. At least that's the excuse they gave. And I, that's fine, whatever. I don't, obviously, it's up to them if they want to leave the product. So they left. And then the third one was basically they sold the business and the new business had a bespoke system. So, there you go. So I'm pretty pleased with that side of things. Churn is, you know, you could say effectively zero or near enough. Mm. And I think that's what keeps me going really with the uh, the sales process that I have being so hands-on for what is really a relatively inexpensive product. I know that the lifetime value is pretty much good enough for for that to be doable, I think. Yeah, certainly, yeah. I guess um, as we're kind of starting a podcast again, perhaps you could do like a little elevator pitch for what the product actually is. That's a very good point, yes. Maybe, we'll have, maybe we'll have new listeners and stuff who... Yeah. Uh, who haven't listened to the two years of back catalogue of us? Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Yeah, so the product's called Kids Club HQ. It's uh, it's a, a, a online booking system for kids clubs with a CRM backend system for the clubs themselves to manage the bookings and customers, etc. Uh, and the key the key benefits of it are that it, it reduces massive amounts of time in terms of managing the bookings and producing registers and chasing payment for those bookings. So that's slightly longer than an elevator pitch, but that's basically what the product product is. Yeah, and like I say, it's been, I, I kind of did the uh, initial customer research phase, customer development by, well, well it, was, it was a problem I had, which was that my daughter was going to the clubs and there were lots of clubs that every term I had to fill in the same information in the same forms just to book her in. And I was getting frustrated with that. So I asked the guys that ran the clubs, isn't there some software out there to do it? And there wasn't, or so they said that there wasn't any software that was, they could find software that didn't do enough or software that did too much and was too expensive, but there was nothing in the sweet spot for the sorts of uh, clubs that they were running. And so that I uh, I phoned around, did some telephone calls around about 20 to 30. I think it was that many, I can't remember now, but it was quite a few clubs in the local area and the overall feeling was positive around having a product for that. And so that's when when I built the product, that's where it came from. Cool. So um, you were open about your revenue when we finished doing the podcast. Are I was. Are still going to do that? or I, I don't think I am. So what what's happened over the years is um, just before I launched, there was another product which launched and doing exactly the same thing, basically. And since then, there are a couple of others as well. And whilst I, I don't mind sharing the sort of customer numbers, I don't really want to share revenues because at least one of them has been a little bit... Um, well, I would say a little bit naughty, um, and I don't really trust them very much to to be, uh, you know, a great player, so to speak. So they, <laughs> what they did was, I had, a, I've got quite a good relationship with a lot of the customers on the system, and I had one of them send me an email uh, a while ago 
saying that they'd had a they'd been approached by this company saying, "Oh, um, I believe you're using Kids Club HQ. We've had lots of their customers come over to us saying that Kids Club HQ is rubbish, you know, and that you should come over as well, and it's much better, and all that sort of stuff." And I, I just think that sort of sales tactic is just pretty pretty underhand, you know. So that really annoyed me. I know I know exactly where the customers that have left Kids Club HQ have gone and what they did, and it was nothing to do with. Well, I say it was nothing to do with the product. They did, they told me it was nothing to do with the product, and I'm 99.9% sure they haven't gone to that particular competitor. Um, so, We've only had three leave as well, haven't you? So. Exactly. So it's, you know, yeah, I just I just felt it was one of those situations, actually, when somebody does that. I kind of, my first reaction was to get my email client out and write an email to all my existing customers saying, you know, if you get approached by these people, you know, ignore what they're saying. This is the, These are the facts. But I spoke to my mastermind group about it before I did that, and they sort of calmed me down a bit if you like but the general feeling was why waste energy on it you know it's it's mm. it's just all you're doing by emailing all your customers is highlighting that there are other people out there and you know it might prompt them to have a look you know that sort of thing so just don't bother so i let it go well yeah. done <laughs> no yeah it's all right but there um, the time. it's hard at the time isn't it but i'm it sure is. you feel better about it now and feel like that was the right thing to do yeah it definitely was the right thing to do yeah but it was frustrating for a day or two knowing that that was going on and not knowing how many other customers they'd be approached it was, it was yeah so i mean over the past 18 months it's basically been that usual sales process of getting demos and trying to convert those i've got quite a long list of people i need to follow up with which is always ongoing and i still seem to struggle to do that very well but the basic ways i, I was um, getting leads was basically through paid ads and that's still the case so the the SEO side of things is, I know you're very disappointed in this, but it's not, not not that great still. There's not that much content on the website to bring in leads, although, you know, it is increasing just the fact of having the website up and I'm doing things like posting knowledge base articles every now and again. So those sorts of things seem to be helping on the SEO, but there's not, I wouldn't say that's where the majority of my leads come from. What I've been so doing. Your, tra- your traffic has gone up on the website though, hasn't it? It has definitely, yeah. And so with the paid advertising that you have set up, because at the moment people have to book a demo, don't they? That's the only way they can they can't self sign up for the product. No, they can't. So have you got conversion tracking set up for your paid ads or anything like that to make sure that it is the paid ads that's driving those? So the paid ads that I do, I do Google Ads, which is very very minimal. I don't get very many conversions from that at all because it's basically so nailed down in terms of the keywords. Because what I was finding is that it was very expensive to run Google Ads because I was hit. With, with sort of very general keywords because I was getting all sorts of, you know, people searching for their local school after school club or something like that and they were coming through. So I've narrowed it down to just the bare keywords that were actually converting and there aren't that many searches for for that for those keywords on Google. People don't tend to be searching on Google for the products, it seems. So that just brings a few leads through. The main source most recently has been advertising in magazines, physical magazines. So I, I've run a, a few ads uh, and an advertorial in a, in a magazine, which has brought in several new leads, which has been really good. Cool. But the tracking, you asked about the tracking. So I yeah. haven't, I haven't I got... I was going to say that was a very politician's answer, though. Didn't yeah, it was. The no, I didn't answer the question. <laughs> so I don't track it very, very well, to be honest. No, I've got a... I can see... So from the magazine ads, I have specific links that people go to from those ads. But there's no guarantee that that's what they do. So it's very difficult to track that. The Google ads... Like I say, there's only probably two or three clicks a week, if that, from the Google Ads. Right. Sorry, no, no, two or three conversions a week, Google Ads. So you do have it set up for Google Ads then? 
Yes, <laughs> it's set up in terms of the fact that it, it will tell me this is how many people converted because I've got the um, you know the tracking on the pages after they book a demo. Yeah, um, sorry, that's what I was. That's that, basically sorry, what I was yeah, that, that's, that's, what that's, what that's what I've got. I have that set up, but whether I actually monitor it, it's a different thing altogether. <laughs> so I'm not very good at keeping on top of that in terms of knowing figures are from day to day and trying to optimize things. I'm yeah. just I'm, I'm, well, if your budget's if your budget's not very big for it, you're not spending very much on it. Then that, you know, it's point of monitoring on a daily basis. Exactly. Type thing. That's why I've just let it run because that was that was just it doesn't cost me very much. I just let it run so that I'm always at the top of the search results for those keywords, even though it's a paid ad rather than organic. And the key the key reason for all this, the S, not doing SEO and not doing so much of this marketing stuff, is because of the amount of work that I still have to do on a day to day basis. Unfortunately, it's still the same situation of a lot of the admin work is done by me so as time's gone by so in 18 months you'd expect to, for me to have had it done by now but um unfortunately we're still in a situation of if a new club needs to be added i add that for the customers things are better in that a lot of the ad- admin of those clubs once they're in the system they now manage it themselves the customers manage it themselves so what's what i've noticed happening is that the more customers come on and this is perfectly expect uh, is something you would expect more customers come on there's more support to be done uh, in terms of answering questions and getting them you know set up and running nicely with the system and so that takes up more time and it's been me just on my own working on the product just before I think just before the last podcast we did actually I, I lost my last developer or I, I got rid of them sounds terrible but I stopped using developers <laughs> So yeah, so basically, it's, if I'm not doing support, I'm doing development. Unfortunately, the more customers that come through, the more onboarding I have to do, and the more de- uh, and the more support I have to do, and so that has cut down massively on time. Uh, time of it. But the the good thing is, as of November last year, I stopped doing freelancing, so I'm full time on it now. We got to a point in November last year where there was enough revenue coming in that I didn't have to do the freelancing anymore. I could cover my costs and a little bit extra from the the system so that's really good and that helped in terms of being able to 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 have a bit more time to do some some work on the product and most recently over the last two weeks i've actually hired a developer again because like i say they've got more customers more support more work to be done and i just hit this sort of peak support moment where i realized that unless i do something i'm going to end up spending all my time doing support and no time doing actual development Mm -hmm. so i thought well i'll get a developer on board for a few months and get him to rattle out all these admin changes so that the the support can be handed over to the customers themselves. So you are effectively living the dream then. You're able to derive a full-time income from it and and be able to invest in a product as well a bit by through hiring a developer. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. It's quite funny because I remember Robin Warren, when we I interviewed him uh, the first time, he'd just hit a similar sort of moment. And I said to him, living the dream, and he he sort of said, Whoa, you could say that sort of thing. And, <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel as well, is that it's great. And, you know, when I first started, I, I was dreaming of this moment. But once you're there, um, you just dream of the next moment. You know, it's it's a never-ending cycle. So, so it's great. It, it is great to not have to worry about finding freelance gigs anymore and just working on the product. But it's also worrying about where the next revenue jump is going to come from, you know, because although enough money's coming in it's not what you'd call enough money for a comfortable life you know you always want that bit more to make things a bit sim- a bit easier i think so mm. but i'm confident we can get there back in january 2017 you were on one customer a month a month that was your goal getting yep. one new customer a month i guess it's sped up a bit then i was gonna i guess the general question is 
And with sanity check, I found say this is just an example. I'll have to look back back on the numbers and prepare for next week. Yeah. But say it took it took twelve months to get to a thousand dollars MMR, and then it took six months to get to two thousand dollars, and then only three months to get to the next goal. Yeah. Have you found that things have sped up that way? That it's taken, you know, it's almost halving the time to reach the next MMR goal. It's yeah. I wouldn't say halving. I mean, this year has gone really well, and my target really was five customers a month. And that that was happening up until the summer. Now I've slowed back on that because, as I said, the support work was killing me and I was working all the time trying to do that and it was just frustrating. So I dialed back a bit on on getting people in for demos and things. So these magazine ads I was telling you about that were bringing in the extra customers, they I stopped running them from the summer. So there's no new leads coming in from new ads, basically. So the only leads I'm getting at the moment are the leads from the existing Google ads and the, uh, you know, if somebody picks up an old magazine or they just get find us for a search or whatever. And that was just to try and get this admin stuff sorted out once and for all so that I don't have to do that myself. Yeah, so so at the moment, it's not hitting the target I set for myself at the beginning of the year. But I think if I turned the dial back up on the marketing, it would. Awesome. How, uh, how are you managing to split your time between development, support and marketing? Uh, it's really not very well organized. I go through periods of having doing the thing of checking my email first thing in the morning to clear up any urgent support issues, then turning everything off and just trying to do development work for a few hours and then checking email again at lunchtime, then turning it off again until the end of the day. And that worked well for a little while. And then I just started to get a series of urgent issues or problems that I needed to sort out. One example was email deliverability problems, which you know one customer started to complain about and I said, okay, well, I'll look into it and turn my email off and then came back on at lunchtime and then two more customers were complaining about it. So obviously something had happened and then that, everything went out the window. And I tend to find I'll have these periods of where I've got a nice process going, which might last a week or so, and then something goes to shit and I have to <laughs> have to jump on that and then I lose all all of that in, uh, in one foul swoop. So the answer to your question is I'm not very good at doing that at the moment. Like I said, over since the summer, I've had very little time to do development work because of all the support stuff I've had to do. And so, well, it's a mixture of support for existing customers and onboarding new customers. And so that's why I've got the developer on board now. And the majority of the development is done by the de- developer I've got now. So the new features, he's he's working on those full time. And the features that I, or the, the code changes I'm making and deploying are general bug fixes and tweaks to existing functionality which you know a, new, a customer might require or which would you know improves the way an existing feature works that's kind of the way it's working at the moment and in terms of how it's the time split i might spend two whole days doing support and support issues and then get half a day the next day to work on development stuff but it's really sort of hand to mouth okay why did you decide to hire a developer and not say someone to take on a support burden and I guess, uh, like as a question, you know, in a dream, in the dream scenario, in a year or two's time, and you've got a few, perhaps a few employees or contractors, you know, what, in your in your dream situation, what what role is it that you want to be doing? Well, it's an excellent question, and that I did bounce that idea backwards and forwards about whether to get someone to do support or someone to do development work, and I came to the conclusion that the reason the support that I have to still do takes as long as it does is because you can't do it in the app at the moment, or you can do bits of it in the app but then you need to then go into the database to do to finish it off sort of thing and that's that is the key problem so handing that over to someone to do you know to a support person to do that i i just felt that 
I'd end up having to get involved to do the database works. I wouldn't want them accessing the database, you know, that sort of thing. So they could do sort of maybe 50% of the support, but then I'd still end up doing quite a bit of it, which would be disruptive. So I figured the best way to go would be to get the development work done so that all the support could be done in the app. And then once that's there, it'll be easier to hand over to someone to do support. So that's that's the simple approach I took. And so I, I can imagine after Christmas, maybe in the new year, that will be the next step is to get someone to help out with the support. Cool. And so what role do you, would you, what's, what in your, the dream situation, what would you be doing? What would you be spending your time on? The, the dream situation would be spending my time on sales and marketing. I'd still want to do, obviously, monitoring the, the code changes and designing the new features, that sort of thing. But I'm not too worried about not coding, actually, you know, cutting code. But yeah, I enjoy designing the new features and architecting stuff, But and I also enjoy the marketing side of things. So that's what I would want to do. And to be honest, that's what I'd have to do to, to, to grow the business. Cool. Yeah, I hope so anyway. I- <laughs> <laughs> I've, uh, this is a specific question based on the last podcast, actually, because I'm kind of out on out of the big catch-up questions. So you mentioned uh, uh, back in January 2017, uh, one of your customers came from a head teacher who signed up their child from to yes. a kids club. So yeah, they were from some other school. And do you have anything on like the receipts and all that kind of stuff that that promotes Kids Club HQ for that? Because I think, as we said on the podcast, a, a lot. Good... A lot of teachers and head teachers will send their children to different schools than what they teach at. Yeah. Um, and so obviously if you can help promote that adds a little bit of virality doesn't it I know it's only a tiny tiny bit yeah no, that's, um, that's a good point you know, actually you put I, it on the receipts and stuff like that just say you know powered by Kids Club HQ or something like that yeah I don't actually do that at all no it's something I should probably think about what uh, a, a lot of the customers that use the system don't have their own domain name based emails you know a lot of them just will send you know such and such a kids club at Google, googlemail.com or gmail.com, you know. And mm. so the emails all come from Kids Club HQ and there's this sort of the visibility that way. But yeah, no, that's a good point. I should do that. I have had a couple more customers come through that have used the system in other settings and then they've come to me to say, I've used this here, we, we need something for our club. So yeah. it is a really good way of, of getting new customers. So I should definitely do that. Well, it's the way your whole product idea came about, isn't it? Because you got fed up of signing your, ch- your kid up and yeah. uh, and filling out the forms and so on. So Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah. My only concern with it is, and this is just me being me, whether the clubs would be happy with seeing that in there because they all want to brand the emails as them, you know. Yeah. Um, but I suppose there's no pro- no harm in putting a small disclaimer in the bottom there. Not disclaimer, small. Yeah. I, I guess. I'll just just thinking thinking out loudly, you could almost add it as a premium feature to be able to remove that branding. Yeah. yeah. Or you could have it as a configurable field, but the default is powered by Kids Club HQ. So if anyone does moan, they can you can say, well, you can go in and actually edit it and say, you know, sent by this Kids Club rather than by Kids Club HQ or something. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Mm. I shall look into that as one thing to look at. Yeah, you are, have you managed any holidays over the last year yeah. and a half? Yeah, any we time have. time away while running this and growing this? We have, actually. So... It's um, we've we've had a lot of ups and downs, sort of personally this last year with family family being ill and that sort of thing. But we managed to get away at the end of the summer holidays just for a week, and it was literally one of those we were all so knackered and so exhausted and stressed that we just 
just wanted to just sit on our asses doing nothing for a week. So we went to, on an all-inclusive holiday to a Greek island and it, it was awesome. So I had I had to take my laptop, obviously, and I'd basically do around about an hour a day, keeping on top of emails and urgent support. But it, it worked really well. It was really good. Be a nice break because we all knew as a family that I was expected to do this work from now and again. It, it, was, it wasn't a stress, you know, because it, it mm. was just okay, well, I'm just going to do this now and then we'll, we'll get back onto, the, onto the, the sunbeds by the pool. So, yeah, no, it worked really well. It's, uh, it's a bit annoying to have to work while you're away, but I think if you can manage it in, in that way and sort of time box it, then it didn't, didn't really affect us at all. Yeah, if you booked your next one, I think that's, uh, that's as much as to looking forward to it once you know something's booked, isn't it? As, yeah, it as is. much as the, um, obviously the, the actual event itself. Yeah, I, had that- a, I had a golf, golf weekend with some friends and stuff and... Literally, after getting back on that on the Monday, I was like, right, we need to book the next one, so I've got something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. We we are talking about it, actually, because every other year, we go away with my parents and my brother and his family. So we hire the big villa somewhere, and we all uh, go for a week or two. And that's been, my mum's planning that for next year now, because uh, it's a bit cheaper if you book it so far in advance. So, yeah, so we have got, it's not books or anything, but we're planning it at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we're very much last minute organization type people but yeah um, we, we are as well the advantage of booking in ahead isn't there yeah this holiday that we had this year we, we booked it on the tuesday and we left on the sunday <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was pretty last minute but uh no it's good did you get away at all other than your golf trips no well i guess we're on holiday all the time in bude aren't we living by the seaside you so. are sunny bude and of course i had my holiday in bude as well i came to see you, you for did, a couple yeah. of days that was good yeah we caught up for a little while um yeah, I guess we'll go into the details of why we've not really been on holiday on the next, sure. next podcast next week. But yeah, there are reasons why we can't really go away. Yeah. Um, but hopefully next year we will do a big one to Disneyland or Disney World or something like that. Oh, but, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be good. So yeah. Lois is always banging on about going there as well. So we'll have to do that one year as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Is there anything I've kind of not asked about over the last No, I mean, I feel I feel like I should explain myself for not getting everything finished as it should be. But... Just, just to some of looking at my notes, some of the things that I haven't mentioned, like the GDPR, pro, you know, issue. Mm. So that took a massive amount of time at the start of this year, which you can imagine keeping on top of every, all the stuff that you need to keep on top of, as well as dealing with that, was a stressful and time-consuming period. Because one of the th- one of the issues with, so I'm sure I'm sure everybody knows about GDPR, but it's basically lots of additional regulations about permissions and managing customer information uh, or personal information and. Because we store, so we store the details of the clubs and their staff members, and then we also store details of their customers. And because the booking system is basically their main contact with their customers, we needed to present things like their privacy notice and all that sort of stuff to their customers. And also, that's the place where they capture the consent for communicating with them outside of the sort of transactional emails. So although it's not strictly speaking a Kids Club HQ issue, because the the Kids Club HQ is the main contact with their customers, we had to implement it in a way that they could set up their privacy notice, set up their consents, and then record them. And then they can view their customers based on the the, uh, communications consents that they've agreed to. So that was a lot of work getting my head around what it is that it's supposed to do and what we need to do to support it. And then actually implementing that in the system. Yeah, I just can't tell you how much of a ball like that was. Mm. It's crazy. But it's the sales thing as much, isn't it? Because obviously clubs are realise that this is an issue for them. So 
the fact that your system deals with it all and yeah. is GDPR compliant and stuff, you know, that's a sales uh, requirement box ticked. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's really good to have that. And um, and and uh, in fact, at the time, I got my dad to help me out with it. <laughs> so I had my dad doing the research and um, and writing some of the documents and things. So that we had everything in place, and he quite enjoyed that. Which was, um, but yeah, he could was, be a GDPR consultant now. <laughs> he could be, yeah, he could be. If he if he hadn't retired, I'm sure he'd think about it. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was one of the things that's cropped up, and and you know the usual sorts of stuff like more customers meant more server load, and then you have to think about upgrading servers and all that sort of stuff. So all those general day to day things have been going on alongside the the uh, the wish to expand the feature feature set of the product that sort of thing growing pains exactly growing pains they never seem to end but uh no it's good i think looking back over I, the last 18 months it's been a, as good as i could have expected i think i guess growing pains is a kind of pain you want as well aren't they yeah yeah it'd be much more depressing to have only brought on one customer a month like i was 18 months ago for the past 18 months and i can see that you know once once i get back onto the marketing i could get back to five six customers a month at least uh, and that would be excellent cool it's good stuff well uh, yeah from me i mean big congratulations on on where you've got to the milestones you've hit and stuff i know we've kind of caught up in yeah. between on the 18 months and stuff but you know it's great to hear that you've uh, like we said earlier you're living the dream of being able to earn an income from this and yeah. employ people and the business has grown and i guess the worst thing would have been if we got back together after 18 months and both said we'd given up <laughs> yeah that would be pretty so, you know, yeah. we've still been going and uh, yeah yeah, well done. Cheers. Well done. Yeah, thanks for that. It's much appreciated. It's good to have these kind of chats, and I think it's it's good to get back on the podcast because one of the things I find working, I work from home or sometimes nip into town or whatever and, and look in cafes, and it it's easy to get sucked into your own head around all the things that are going on, and it and it can get get really hard work. You know, you're doing this. So I'm onboarding customers. I'm doing support, and I'm. I know I shouldn't be doing it. They should be doing it themselves. But I know I haven't got the time to do it. And all that builds up in your head and you get stressed and depressed and annoyed and um, and, and all these things, all these emotions that you don't want. And you can't escape them because you're in the thick of it day to day. But then having a conversation with you every now and again like this um, and with the mastermind group as well, it just brings you back out from above, you know, back out above all that. And you can see the progress you've made. You can see where you want to go. And all of a sudden, it, it, it feels good again, you know, and you get that little kick of motivation. So I'm glad that we're starting this up again. Mm, yeah, me too, definitely. Cool. So the only other thing I've got is I'm off to MicroConf Europe on Sunday. Oh, nice. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's in Dubrovnik in Croatia. So your attendance to that was based on you hitting certain goals in the business as well, wasn't it? So Yeah, so my attendance this so last year, I went and I enjoyed it. I've been to every European one so far and I'm I'm absolute sucker for it. I just love it so much that I can't uh, can't stop signing up. But um yeah, this year it was basically uh, being no longer relying on freelancing and having the revenue to to be able to go. Yeah. Um, now, luckily I bought my ticket before I decided to hire a developer because because <laughs> I think now I probably wouldn't book my ticket. But no, I'm looking forward to it. If if anything, it's kind of a bit like a holiday, you know, where hopefully I'll learn a lot of good stuff as well, but it's it's really nice to just meet up with like-minded people and and have a few days of chatting and a couple of beers and stuff like that. Sounds good. I mean, yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah, I bet you are. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I next... know you always I know you always tell me when the ticket's gone on sale and stuff, yeah. but uh... Yeah, I live a long way away from an airport now as well. It makes no, it even harder. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Although I'm flying from Bristol this time. Oh well, that's the closest main one. Yeah. Oh, well. the, the, Next the, time. The flights from from London were, were awful. So from Bristol. Cool. Yeah. So I'll tell you all about it next time. All right. We'll catch up soon. And yeah. Look forward. It to won't it. be eighteen. Won't be eighteen months this time. It'll be no, a week. It'll be a week. Definitely. Cool. 
All right then. All right. Cheers, Nathan. Speak to you soon. Cheers, Nick. Yeah. Bye. Bye.